0: Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all are brew heads? Yeah, we brew Support so a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 108 of Beer Now, the Shit the podcast, and today we are in sunny, gorgeous Glenwood Springs, Colorado, with Troy Casey of Casey Brewing and Blending, sir. Oh, thank you God. so much. Absolutely, good, thank man. you for coming by. Genuine pleasure. This place is disgusting gorgeous it's not bad eh? yeah yep. is uh what's the name is that the colorado river this is the roaring fork river it feeds into the colorado which is right there on right there. behind it yep. and these like i guess were somewhat surrounded
1: by uh would you i guess are these mountains or are they hills to you these would, I would, these would be I mean, these would be hills yeah these would be hills? yeah the mountains are very close to us if you get if you got a little bit higher right now you could see mount sopress which is in carbondale which is about almost thirteen thousand um feet high so damn you can do the kilometer Cuckoo. Yeah. Cuckoo.
0: Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Uh, do you know what? We've been running in feet. It's just easier. You okay. <laughs> get the kind of get the point. Um, mate, we're getting to your story. Uh, let's talk about this beer first. So this is not what I expected to be drinking uh, yeah. first off uh, from you, man. Uh, tell us about this haze.
1: So this is a beer that um, we did in collaboration with Weldworks Brewing Company in Greeley. Weldworks. Yeah, okay. they're in the front range um, an hour and a half northeast, oh. northeast of Denver. Okay. Um, of they're, they put Hazy IPA in Colorado on the map. And really? So, eh? Yeah, they're um, one of the best people that are doing it right now. So this is a double IPA that we did in collaboration with them with Citra and Nelson Savon Hops. Oh, no, that's a really interesting combo. Yeah. What's the beer called? It's called Trans Mountain Diversion. Trains. So okay. when we initially did the the, the beer, um, we provided those Nelson Savon Hops because they're so hard to get. We mm. had a little bit of them. And... Uh, So we brought that to the collaboration. And here in Colorado, there's the Western Slope, which is where we are right now, which gets the majority of the the water in the state. And then there's the Eastern Slope, which is the Front Range, which has the majority of the people. So what happens is a lot of the water gets um, diverted over the Continental Divide to get to the Front Range. And so, right. kind of play on words, us bringing the hops to the Front Range, that's why we called it Trans Mountain Diversion. Oh, trans, I think it
0: trains. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's sick. Um, and for the this one, um, we're learning a lot of words here. Um, everyone just talks about like the Front Range like could never heard yeah, that yeah. before. So that just essentially means the Eastern, like entry to the Rocky Mountains starting around Denver.
1: Yeah, so it's basically from north uh, around Fort Collins. Which uh, f- from up there, okay. From to Denver, down to Colorado Springs and Pueblo. Alright. That, that's what they would call the front range. That's where the majority of people in Colorado. I was about that, to say, it's a yeah. population and mm-hmm. that's kind of where it would all... Alright, perfect.
0: Um, so, you guys, like, I actually heard of you for the... F- like, I haven't been a sour dude so much, like, in, only in the last maybe year and a half or so. And we interviewed these guys in Montreal, they're sort of homebrewers who are opening their own thing, and they are... Obsessed I've never seen anything like people being obsessed with lambic like that before yeah. they called the wild shack And then when we did the podcast with them uh, They were telling me about you. Oh cool back in the day So I know this they're gonna lose their minds okay. <laughs> because this was like sort of like nice and sporadic So I appreciate it. I know that your yeah. stuff is like super renowned super difficult to get I guess uh, once it's small batch because it's all oak barreled and stuff aged and uh Especially for us up there, yeah, I think it's yeah. like a lot of uh, trading action. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, so you guys have definitely done some cool stuff. So how did you? How did it all get started? Ooh, yeah. Um, so we've been open for just over four years now. Um, I was uh, I've been brewing for thirteen or fourteen years now. Okay. Um, but uh, we I was working for a Coor, at Coors oh, yeah. um, in Golden and I was working as like an R&D brewer there and uh, started making a lot of craft lagers and eventually went down the uh, rabbit hole um, of sour beers. Right. Just fell in love with the style, fell in love with the challenge of making them well and consistent and uh, started to make some beers that I was proud of when I was out there. Um, That was almost about five years ago. Some stuff was changing at Coors at the time that Mm -hmm. I wasn't psyched about. Um, my girlfriend at the time, my, my now my wife, she moved up here to this valley for a job promotion. We fell in love with the area, wanted to make a go at it up here. And so I started writing a business plan, saving up money. Um, I was living with my parents just to save cash. And, uh, and then just almost about five years ago to the day is when I uh, left course, came up here, Um, A couple weeks later, signed a lease on this building, and and here we are. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Um, The course thing is very interesting. I noticed the theme with brewers a lot of people start at a larger brewery, whether it's a full, like, macro or just the large independent one. Sure, yeah. Uh, Did that help you? I assume that that would sort of drill process into you and all the. It's like working at McDonald's as a 15 year old type of thing. Like, you know, you learn all the basics and, like, how to be accurate and whatever. Is that
1: somewhat sound about right yeah absolutely so when I was an R&D brewer um, we would do everything from qualifying new new hop blends for Coors Light you know it's funny to think about like (laughs) the hops and Coors Light but really like the amount of time and effort that goes into making sure the different blends of different hops that go into the bittering aspect of Coors Light, so it won't change the bitter perception of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how, how much goes into that. And yeah. so we would do everything from things like that to um, to trying to make new recipes. So um, a beer like Colorado Native, that was a beer that I had a lot to do with, which mm-hmm. is 100% Colorado ingredient Yes, um, beer.
0: And Maybe I didn't get, I mean, I'm not paying attention to Coors to be honest, but like I guess I didn't think that, was that a local thing only? It's only in Colorado. Oh, yeah, that would be it's doing okay. pretty
1: well in Colorado. Okay. And, uh, and then we got to do things like just mess around if we had time we could do we could basically the sky was the limit we had we never heard the word no when it came to ingredients into what we wanted to try it was it was it was almost stupid how much flexibility (laughs) so the amount of the amount of of education i had from a creative aspect in those five years i was there i mean any other brewery it would probably take 15 20 years to get that i got it so condensed so fast that I really think that's what helped me um, get to be the brewer that I am today. That's crazy. That's not
0: what I expected to hear at all.
1: Yeah, it's not like that. I don't think it might be like that anymore, but at the time I was in the right place at the right time. Perfect. I had the right bosses that were annoyed, just wanted to just have me go away. Yeah, and just, just like sure, take it, whatever. Yeah, just need. do it, whatever. As long as there, as long as everything's getting done, that uh, the actual work needs to get done, you can do whatever you want. I mean, we we were coming in on weekends and brewing. It was, yeah. it was fun for sure. Yeah. Damn, that's uh no other jobs like that. No one's coming in on Saturdays to doing be an accountant and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do the books. People used to make fun of me when I was walking into work, like, you know, passing people on the way in. They're <laughs> like I can't believe you're so excited to wear. It. <laughs> I mean, I was. I mean, it's me beer, 20, so. so yeah, it was. It's beer for that's sure. That's pretty sick. I actually forgot. So, I'm on top
0: of the uh, the stuff we, I do the do reviews of all this stuff, uh-huh. and to take a selfie with the beers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that during the podcast. Are okay. you Cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hold the, the beer. i <laughs> Legend. Um, okay, that's really cool that you got that. So, did you get to play with the barrels and stuff at um, at Coors and stuff? So, you actually got to learn sort
1: of so when you came here. You already had that skill set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we uh, back in two thousand nine when we started we decided we wanted to try to make these beers. Um, I was at GABF, probably GABF two thousand eight, and I asked my boss. Kind of, we were all kind of drinking, and I was like, "Hey, you know what? Be fun. We should make sour beers." And we were all drinking. It was late at night, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, do it. No problem." <laughs> and and then we kind of were, a couple of months later, we were like. Wait, dude, I think he told us we could. So, and he was, our boss at the time was based out of Milwaukee. And so we just kind of did it and didn't tell anybody. All and right. uh, so we bought two barrels. We bought a pitch of sour beer um, culture. We fermented it. And I, I'll never forget, after I filled the barrels in our cellar, I had to take, drive them across the plant to get to a freight elevator to take them up for storage in our grain storage area. And as I'm doing this, I'm just shaking. Cause like, if these barrels spilled, you know, I'm it's, going to be the one that infects the largest brewery in the one of the largest breweries <laughs> in the world. I didn't think of it like that. And I'm driving home. I still drive, was driving home and I was still shaking, driving home because <laughs> it was, I was like, I could, I, I, was get, I could get fired. I could do all these things. Yeah. Everything so, worked out there? It did work out, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of stories along the way, but everything worked out, yeah. Amazing.
0: So why, when you started this brewery, what was the attraction to the, I mean, everything's exclusively barrel-aged, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Where did that come from?
1: You know, it was what we wanted to, old-world style brewing. We wanted to make beers with local ingredients in a manner that was reminiscent to how it used to be done. So we don't have a forklift here. We don't have a loading dock. We don't have any glycol cooling. Everything is based on the ambient temperature um, and around the environment. So hmm. we make beers with local ingredients. So we can, we're not going to see us make a beer with mangoes right. or, or something exotic I like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we we like to make beer the way it used to be made, and uh, um, and really just focus on making the best beer we can with the, the ingredients that we have. Um, and so it became it became a, a kind of a necessity too. Like we couldn't afford a glycol system. When right. We started. We couldn't afford a brew house because we were brewing so infrequently. And so we, we started without a brew house. We were contracting wort um, from other breweries around us. All so right. they were making our recipes with our ingredients. We would fill the, um, the wort up in totes, bring it back here, um, and then unload it into barrels for fermentation. So everything was based around when we first started just me doing everything. And so, um, yeah, that's how it kind of started.
0: Damn, okay. Um, Another thing I noticed on the inside as well, which is super rare in a brewery, all the fermenters I saw are named after rappers, and brewers definitely aren't
1: leaning towards hip hop. What's up with that? That's <laughs> amazing. Big, yeah, I love. I'm a big uh, classic hip hop, classic hip hop fan, especially yeah, the classic aspect. But um, when we when it came down to try to start to to name names, I started with my mostly my favorite producers. Mm-hmm. That's what B Rock and Yeah, production, and uh, um, so we started with that. Figured why not. That's awesome. It's generally
0: um, like we're hip-hop folks as well, and the the 98% of people that we meet in the beer world are most certainly 99. not. 99? 99? Yeah. Heavy metal or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, it's, yeah. A, it's usually like, like, like you know, pretty serious metal stuff. Yeah, know, like for punk or sure. Heavy metal, for sure. Yeah. Is, is that pretty rare? Is it like a, being a hip-hop dude? Is that... Uh, uh,
1: I guess, uh, yeah, from a brewer's standpoint, you don't hear usually hear hip-hop when you walk into a brewery. Here but, or there, but... Uh, no. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just you know, who I am. That's, yeah, that's it. I like it.
0: Yeah. Well, I was curious, does that influence any of the beer or anything than that at all? Or is it totally just two separate interests?
1: No, I think it does. Okay. So the, from a production standpoint, and so I don't know anything about, I could never make a beat in my life, but I love watching videos about how they did it. And, yep. you know, taking different samples, doing things to change it, to make something that that, that is uniquely their own. I really think the same is in blending. Huh. When you're taking different um different barrels different flavors and trying to put something together to make something that's greater than the sum of its whole parts so i definitely see a course some corresponding ideas between the two but um that's sick yeah i didn't think Um, about that the the blending side as well so
0: um i guess that's a key part of it because not everybody blends is that accurate uh, yeah absolutely that would would be doing barrel aged stuff Mm -hmm. um what drew, drove you to do the be, um, the blending? Was that coming from like the old world? Like was it, I guess, old world Belgian sort of traditional Guzlambic type of um, beers? Is that part of how they? do I guess it is how they do. It. I haven't been, so I don't know. Yeah, is that accurate? And Absolutely. You wanted to sort of really be true to that, so you brought the blending into it.
1: I think you know, it's it's uh, we're such a small facility that um, we wanted to have smaller barrels, so we have the. 200-liter uh, barrels we, and the 500-liter barrels. And so if we were going to get these big 1,000-liter barrels, you don't have as much option there hmm. um, unless you're a bigger brewery that can can blend with multiple uh, cho- choices of those 1,000-liter barrels. Are you talking like a Fudo type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for us, we were, we we're such a small facility that, that the majority of our blends are three to, uh, 2 to 3 three barrel blends, okay. so we we can't have these big, um, big vats, big fooders, because then we don't have any options there to, to, to get the flavors we're looking for. So by having smaller barrels, we can have more complexity throughout the barrels uh, which basically gives us more to color with, if you will, more, different, more colors to yeah. paint with when it comes time for that blending process.
0: Amazing. Can you, can you talk us through like a generic blending process, just how, that, how the sort of thought process behind it and how it works?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of the beers we make are with fruit, which we'll get into, but, yes. uh, um, you know, fruit can be so different. Apricots are a really acidic mm-hmm. fruit, whereas um, sour cherries are actually kind of sweet. and so when you when you start looking to how you want to best um add beer to those fruits um it's uh uh kind of crazy so we try to find our least acidic barrels when we're when we're blending for apricots okay that have some great flavors great aromas to them but they have less acidity that'll be really good because then the um, acidity that we get from the fruit with the apricots Um, Is still in balance and it's still a drinkable Mm. beer. Okay, but where the sweet cherries or the sour cherries actually contribute so much sweetness to the beer because we use them in such high concentrations. Right, that we're looking for a little bit more acidic barrels to help bring the acid up in those ones. Kind of counterintuitive sometimes. Yeah, sour cherries being sweet. Yeah.
0: Okay, so then essentially you would have, um, I guess you know, like
1: one year, two year, three year old barrels that are sort of essentially. It's the goods, right? Is that that's for yeah? For goose absolutely. We don't do that here. Okay. Um, everything we do is pitched um, mixed culture. Okay. We're gonna try to do some spontaneous stuff this winter, but for the most part, right now, for these farmhouse beers like these ones, they're ate, fermented and aged in oak barrels for anywhere from about three to five months, usually. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. So it's like much quicker turnaround then relative to
0: lambic, yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So then, of those three to five months, like the and excuse me if some of these are a little on the basic side of questions because yeah. I know some of our audience might not know deep about sure, yeah. barrels and to be honest, I don't, I'm still figuring it out myself. I'm uh, on the haze sure, side sure. <laughs> for the most part, but so I just want to be accurate. So then the the type of beers that are in these barrels, like what what are the, the base beers that you're um, mixing? Like you just brew a whole bunch of stuff and then I'm like, all right, let's see what we can concoct. Is that kind of the...
1: Sometimes, yeah. So these ones that are all in front of us right now, they're all kind of our farmhouse series, if you will. So they've got... Multiple saison yeasts. They've okay. got Britannomyces, and multiple lactic acid bacteria right. strains. So they're really more on the they're producing more on the fruity side. So we get a lot of uh, flavors like um, grapefruit, uh, citrus aspects that were coming from these beers. Okay. Um, we have a line of beers, uh, a base beer called Oak Theory, which is our um, our interpretation of a Belgian sour beer. It's, mm-hmm. it's a pitched mixed culture beer. Um, But that age is anywhere from uh, 12 to 24 months in a barrel. Right. And so we don't really, um, we'll blend different ages of that, but to make oak theory, but it's, again, it's not spontaneous. It's, we're not even getting close to that. Not yet? Yeah. That's in the plans for the future, like cool ships and stuff? It is, yeah, cool ship coming in a couple months. Oh, yeah? Nice. This facility, still plenty of room? This facility upstairs, yep. Nice. Yeah, we got some plans. I guess it's probably perfect for the climate out here. (laughs) You never know. Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting that we might, it might not even work out, but oh, yeah? we're gonna try. Who knows? I hey, know. might as well give it I've a try. I've had crack. some really good. Yeah, you got to try. Why not? We've we've had. I've had some amazing, spontaneous beers made locally, um, and I've had some terrible ones. And so we'll <laughs> I'm hoping for the for, for the, the best, the good one. Yeah. Can you can you save it safe
0: like that particular batch? Because they're not small. Like they're pretty big. And if save that the yeast, the, the the wild yeast that were in that batch, are kind of trash or not that good, is it savable or is
1: that just dump? Yeah, I. Oh, yeah. It'd be tough to make a. Yeah, I mean, you have to if, make a big call, eh, cuz it's more than like yeah. the significant. No, we dump we dump a lot of beer here. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, if it's not if it's not perfect, it's it's has gone. The door. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, is
0: that just something that in, within yourself like you are a bit of a perfectionist? Uh, I guess stuff?
1: so, but you know, like I mean, the reason our name like uh, the reason I named it after our my family's last name is to show the consumer like how how much we stand behind the beers that we make. And so, right. I mean, our beers not inexpensive by any means. And so um, we want our consumers to know if they're, if they're drinking one of our beers, they're going to get something that's worth the, the cost. So, yeah, we've dumped, we've, we've dumped, we've had beers packaged, labeled that weren't exactly perfect. And it was just, you know, it's done. And uh, we're not going to sell that because we're not proud of it. It's not something I would want to drink, hmm. you know. And, and that's the benefit of me being the sole owner, having no debt. We don't really have to. Um, make those calls based on financial aspects. Right. And so the, in, in doing so, the consumer knows anytime they drink one of our beers, it's going to be exactly what we were looking for it to be.
0: That's really cool. And I would assume somewhat rare.
1: I think in, it is. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Particularly like yeah. the
0: sole owner, no investors and just having that sort of freedom, like artistic freedom, I guess, as well as uh, integrity to be able to be like, nope, it's it's got to be one hundred and ten percent all that sale. Yeah,
1: there's days where it's, it's, I'm still sad if it yeah. when it happens. Yeah, oh, of you know, it's, it's, It time, usually right? happens when it, it usually happens during a month when we really could have used that sale. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but such is life. Either the way, right? Yeah. Uh, in the interest of time,
0: um, I guess we should go into one of the sales. What's the best one to start with? Now,
1: <gasps> let's start with the apricot beer. Perfect. So. It's, Yes, tell the, us about this one. This is Apricot Funky Blender. So Funky Blender is one of our base Funky beers okay. where we take our house culture and then we add um, some different culture to it okay. to get some different flavors. So it's a different base recipe. And then Thank you, it is uh, with apricots at about two pounds per gallon or so. Okay. Oof, so Hell Funky yeah. Blender was named after... Uh, it's a hip-hop reference, so it's it yeah, was, was named say. after a James Brown song called Funky Drummer. Yes, which is half of the
0: tracks from the 90s. I'm exactly. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. So that's it. You you know it, and there it is. That's, that's the, amazing. That's why we call it that.
0: That's so cool. I, I'm just it's so refreshing to have some hip-hop in here. The only other place that really had it was L.A. There was a bunch of breweries. Uh, Monkish. That were, yeah, well, Monkish, yeah, Monkish. Yeah, those guys are what's yeah. up. They, they know do it. it. But even a lot of the brewers, like when one of the questions, we're going to have a quick lightning round at the end. I don't know if we're going to include this one. We're going to change it up for you today. But the, um, it's like, what music do you listen to when you brew? And that's always an interesting question. And LA was the only one I can think of where people were like, oh, Kendrick Lamar, blah, blah. Yeah. I was always yeah, you know, like Norwegian black metal. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Sick. Damn it! That is fantastic. Thank you. What's the uh, ABV on this bed? Uh, seven percent. Seven? Okay, nice and crushable. I like that. That's so, on the
1: higher um, side for us. Yeah. I was gonna say I would. Yeah. I
0: was expecting a bunch of uh, lower, like sort of generally, sourers tend to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely on the high side for us. Okay. Oh, this is fantastic. Thank how, you. How? How did you think you got the reputation you have? Like, cause it's there's not like many breweries that are sort of revered in that sense, and I know that if you do as well, it's, you know, it's a great, th- those type of breweries tend to be very highly mm-hmm. regarded by the beer nerds, um, because it's, like, hard to do, like, yeah. if, you know, there's a lot of yeah. time and effort, like, had, you know, was, it, was that your intention? I mean, it sounds like it somewhat was from the start, and, like, you know, was it, like, yeah, I want to be, like, oh, uh, you know, like, whatever, Cantillon, I want people to look, think of Casey and think of that, like, was there any of that type of thought process?
1: I mean, absolutely there was in the sense that you want to make the quality that that can can gain that that following yeah um i think when when i was at Coors, uh i was really you know grinding if you will with these um with these small batch i mean we were doing barrel aged stouts we were doing german lagers we were doing um, sour beers And I would volunteer to go to different beer festivals around Denver to pour these things. Right. Knowing that there was, you know, there was no money in it for for Coors overall. They weren't going to get they were getting a little bit of good press. But for the most part, it was me just wanting to get my my beer out to the public and say, be like, hey, this this is what Coors can do. Like we can do this just as well as any other craft brewery. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, some some of the local beer geeks um, (laughs) were following what we were doing. Right. And so then when, when I split and started my own thing and kind of uh, gained some traction. We opened July 2014 for the first time, and I think the, uh, we had got about 20 people up here. Right. And So Is it that, wasn't like we were like we, ran straight. Yeah, right. we didn't. We, it took a long time to get yeah. to uh, the following we have now, and we did that through organic, organic growth, um, word of mouth uh, type marketing. We've never spent a dollar on marketing. Um, and just by trying to focus on putting out the best beer that we possibly can, I think right. that just came naturally and organically. If you have a bottle release now, what sort of numbers are we looking at? Like, is there a line? We we stopped doing that, yeah. The yeah. line used to be up and back uh, a couple years ago, and, and we you've seen the parking we have here. We don't have that Not much space. No. The city was it was it was very close to coming at us. We, our neighbors were really were starting to get upset with us when we were doing those <laughs> monthly releases.
0: Yeah, I bet. So now
1: we do limited ticketed tours and tastings, and so okay. um, so you can buy a ticket online mm-hmm. uh, with either which either goes towards a tour and a, a tasting flight of three different beers, mm-hmm. um, or sometimes we use that twenty dollars as credit. Um, for your visit just so that we can control the amount of people that come at any one time. Right. And uh, so at any given time there's no more than 25, 30 people here. And uh, okay. and so it's a very intimate um, bottle share type of uh, vibe going on. Um, so it's much more quiet and we've managed to adjust our business model to, to make that work for us. That's really cool. Um, I guess it's most...
0: I've never heard some brewery sort of proactively... Not limit's not the right word. Sort of just manipulate that situation because i guess they're just like yeah sick everyone wants to line out the door it's kind of somewhat of the aim uh of of a brewery like people like
1: to wait in line i don't understand it they like to (sighs) wait in line when we stop doing the lines you you know we stopped seeing some of those same people that were here every month they stopped coming really yeah because i mean we're making the beer easier to get in a way and sometimes you know make it less cooler sometimes you might. yeah yeah so we had to we knew we knew that might happen when we when we did that but you know, we were always saying we have to figure out what's best for us, what's sustainable for us, and uh, and we're doing good for sure. That's sick, man.
0: Um, how easy is it to get then, like, as far as, is it like, uh, what's the
1: distro looking like? We do a little bit of distribution, mostly in the valley. Um, okay. Every once in a while, we'll send some beer closer towards the front range. Right. Um, we definitely don't have enough to, to go around for the front range, but... Um, so that's a good problem to have, but that's uh, yeah. still a problem. <laughs> um, so, you know, beers that we were making bigger blends of those usually see some sort of distribution locally. Right. Uh, but we're, we're moving away from that. We have, we're selling more and more beer here through our tasting room as we do smaller batches, excuse me, more, more often, uh, or more, more smaller batches as opposed to sm- uh, less bigger batches. So right so i mean i guess that that res- the yield is more yields more about the same overall but it just means that more variety yeah more variety f- yeah, for people so okay yeah so people it's not i mean it's not too hard but it's, it's so do you think that's part of uh like
0: like i don't know the trade value or something is going down you know? i don't, like, follow don't, that. You don't follow that <laughs> stuff yeah, don't yeah. Follow that. yo it's
1: so serious i'm sure it has but i don't yeah
0: the dudes who told me about you, the, the beers they had, they had this one, of the Millennium goods. I think it was oh, yeah. from... Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. It was worth 1500 bucks, yeah, I think. That, yeah. And they just and they had, like I think it had 10 beers on the table that were worth five grand. Yeah. I'm like, I'd never seen anything like that before. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like? And then they started explaining how that sort of world worked and stuff, and yeah. I don't know what lengths they had to go to to get your stuff, um, but I, I think that these guys are... It's like this whole underground like. No, crazy it's great. We, I love it. I mean, yeah? it's,
1: the, people are buying it t- for trading, and so that's that's great. I, you know, you we, don't mind, eh? Cause I don't some, mind trading by any means. Okay. We I, I we don't like people. I'm not a fan of people selling it. Um, do people but, do that? Resell? Some people, yeah. Some people resell. Huh. People say that uh, it's it's easier to to sell the beer that you have and then use that to buy the beer you want nowadays than trade. it is trading to trade. It's so hard to trade now. Everybody thinks they're. What they have is worth more than what you. Oh, have. yeah. I used to trade. I mean, back in the day, seven, eight years ago, I yeah. used to trade a lot, and it was a great time. But now, from what I hear, the stories, it's it's a lot tougher. Yeah. I hear a lot of horror stories. I only trade like just with friends.
0: Yeah, with, like people the, in different places already. Yeah, for know. sure. Because yeah. then there's no like, ah, just. Give me about the same amount. Yeah, for
1: sure. Give me, me what's yeah, good. You're good to go.
0: Yeah. You know those guys, all right. I want the night, like, the 2015. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> dollar already, for dollar. Yeah. yeah go, you got like, a $2 extra. You <laughs> got hey, throw, throw me in a middle of that, you know. Yeah. Not happening. Ah, I forgot to get the photo for this one. Sick label too. Thank you. Are you ready? Yeah. Put it on, on the spot here. Bam. Um Working at Coors, I was just thinking then. So if you were doing these fantastic barrel-aged sours, as an employee of Coors, how was the response from the beer
1: nerds? Like, did you get pushed back and be like, I'm not trying that at all? Absolutely we did, for yeah? sure. And so um, we had to, I knew that our, the, the quality of the product had to be that much better to account for to that. To get through it, yeah. if you can even convince them to try it. Exactly, and so um, so we took we spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, yeah, but no, people didn't, we got a, there definitely a lot of people that were like, oh, I mean, I remember when we, we, we went around Denver trying to sell kegs of the stuff. And all we heard was no. And we had somebody sit us down and say, I'll never buy your product because it's made by Coors. And I mean, right. will never buy a Coors product. And it was just like, it was soul crushing.
0: Yeah, I And then
1: we went, the last place we went, they were like, yeah, okay, we'll try it. And then we walked out and I was so excited. And my boss was like, she had no idea what you that do. we were course, like she oh. just had no idea we were course, and if she did know, she would never take it. And I was like, "How nah, do you do? Don't. Sales is the hardest job in the world. How do you <laughs> How do you hear no all day and like two yeses is, is like a good day? I was like, oh, wow. "I could never do that." Anyway, maybe for a macro it is. Yeah, yeah but, but then don't they
0: have a lot of like they buy the lines and stuff
1: and I don't know things like that. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you hear a bunch of stories from Mike Byron and things, and I heard it's like more competitive in the the craft world. It's easier to sell bottles and cans than it is to try and get a tap
1: line Yes, in most sure. markets I would say Yeah, no I've heard some people here I've heard of uh, somebody here in this valley for, uh, working for a large regional brewery that was basically kicked out of the valley because they were giving away kegs to try to get tap lines which is super illegal oh yeah yeah, yeah. I hear about yeah. that too and they, they do something that actually pay for the installation
0: so it's yeah. like they and that is as a buyer right owner, I spoke to someone in Montreal recently who did that not from a macro but they took that deal because it saved them like yeah, five figures for sure. Yeah. Like it's, so, it's, I can understand why. Yeah, you could, you'd yeah, want to do that, sure. it. and, and it's not
1: there. And they're not the ones that are going to. Well, maybe they would. I well,
0: know. I how think the way that. they do it is almost like it's yeah. They they're in, they've done it, Been there, done that. They know how to to trick it. But as far as uh, when they were selling your Coors beer. The, uh, the blending what did they sell it under like when they were presenting it was there a you know how like ab's got the high end yeah, little yeah, little yeah. stuff do they haven't Do they have another brand for it
1: so i was officially a, like a research pilot brewer there but we were we worked for a brewery called ac golden which was oh. owned and operated by coors um but it was ran kind of independently away from the main so they had all their own um marketing sales team for ac golden and uh but then I was kind of uh, in between the two. So I worked for Coors, but I was mostly a brewer for those guys there. Gotcha, so that mm-hmm. would have been the brand they packaged it yeah. under. And then we called it the Hidden Barrel Series because the origin of it, right, like I was saying, was, it was they were hidden barrels. And uh, um, so we called it the Hidden Barrel Collection.
0: Mm.
1: that's smart. So then when, you moved over it
0: sounded like i mean you mentioned that you had a bit of a following which is a really smart way to start a brewery and you know you've already got that following that you've created and been able to bring that across did you get the opposite in the sense of that was the duty brewed for cool like i'm not going to try stuff or is it automatically as soon as you left there I'm like all right like because it's like they can detach themselves from it like the, i think they yeah
1: they totally it was total, There was total detachment and i don't think there was any I think if anything, at that standpoint, mm-hmm. it's like a benefit to have worked for a big brewery because right. you get the, you have like the street cred of like working for a well-established, con- like brewery. So you, the education you had, was was paramount. And right. so I think at that point, you're it's a luxury to have been working for a big brewery. And I think I've never heard a negative, connotation of having used to work for a big brewery. While you're working at it, for sure. <laughs> but as soon as you're gone, you're you know you're. Uh, uh, what's the what's the expression? You're like a, a chosen one, I guess. Right. Know, like, like you. have been. Able, like I know that. what you're saying
0: That makes complete sense. I just feel like it's just so common and it's like it's actually pretty cool that you've been able to sort of do that there and learn all that stuff and uh, like I feel like people learn <coughs> basic processes and stuff generally at the larger ones as opposed to like this level like crazy sour stuff and then barrel, which I'm sure is probably one of the hardest parts of brewing because it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super sick, man. Um, so as far as the types of beer you're doing, for those who aren't aware, so this is the new Farmhouse series, it's uh, probably the latest releases? Yep, the Funky blunder. yep, absolutely. Is that one? Mm-hmm. Um, what, like, what other sort of styles of beer have you done? I mean, this, like I said, when we came here, I didn't expect to be drinking a Hazy IPA yeah, from New It All, which was a super happy bonus. Um, like, what other stuff have you done, like, what, what's, uh, some of your faves? We do...
1: We, I, I'm i a big fan of the fruit beers that we make, and right. so... I can see why. Working with different growers is a, m- the best part of my job, is finding a, a new grower or a new um, person who's got a, a fruit that we can't get enough of or have never even got to try before. Right. And so this is a good example. Should we, can we open this one? Yeah, more? let's do it. Let's, let's do this one. Oh, wow, you oh just did goodness that? Goodness what are you doing? I dump a lot of beers. It's, <laughs> it's not
0: a problem. It still shocks me when people do it, though, to be honest. Like uh particularly yeah, this like, like, like oh, whatever. yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> still like yeah wineries are just spitting it out and if the breweries are just throwing things on like you only knew <laughs> <laughs> just cuz like how hard is it to get these beers and then people are just like stop it <laughs> <That's a laughs> so you got to say Troy's
1: just pouring beer out left and right here we'll open up uh, if you just hearing that pop sometimes is is all i need and i don't even I'll you just, get that i'll just smell the beer and then and that's it. And then you good? I'm good to go. Why? Just because that's, that's all I needed to know. Was it carved? Was it, oh. uh, does it smell Thank like you. I want? That's it. What do you do with the, um... Can, we, can I give you a rinse? Yeah, sure. That's a big rinse. I mean, there's plenty of beer. <laughs>
0: I just come with this. I just feel like the people like I know who are into like like the Wild Shack guys, they would see that and they would have a heart attack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's this one called, man? So this is our Casey Family Preserve line. Okay. Um, So the base beer on this is called Cezanne, uh, which was the first beer that we ever brewed. So it's a 5.5% farmhouse ale, so it's made with um, malted wheat, malted barley, raw Mm. wheat, raw barley. Uh, and this one is with sour Danube cherries at a rate of over four pounds per gallon. Damn. Um, And these were actually handpicked by me and a couple of other of our guys. So these come from about an hour and a half that way. And, uh Oof. they are the this grower is the only grower in the state that grows these Danube sour cherries which right. is a really dark Danube. variety of sour cherries okay so, so the foam didn't quite last but when you saw it it was really nice and dark yeah and so they're known for it's, it's one of the darkest cherries uh that is grown domestically okay and uh this is what
0: one of the ones you were referring to earlier with the, the sour ones that are yep, the sweet exactly. so the, the sourness is coming from the other the base being not yep. the not the fruit here yep. okay
1: and uh so they provide some of the darkest colors that we can get in a beer, and That's uh, so nice. Yeah, like I said, handpicked by by me and a couple of our teams, a couple of our other team members, and. Uh, that's what's fun about working with these growers, right? So I'm on the phone with this grower all the time. If it gets really cold some nights, then they might be at risk of frost wiping out their, their fields. Every morning after that happens, I'm on the phone with them, like, how'd it go last night? Are you guys all right? Mm-hmm. Like, just bugging them, I think. But they actually like <laughs> they the, it. they like to know that somebody's that, that passionate about what they're growing. But then as soon as the fruit was ready, I was out there the next day with two of our guys. We picked 700 pounds that day. Jeez. We have got another 2,000 pounds from him throughout over the next couple of weeks um, That's insane. after that. And so it's a, it's a fruit that only, we're the only people that can that get it from this grower. Okay. Once he harvests it, And they do you pick. But it's just one of these growers that we have a great relationship with. They know how important it is, his fruit is to my family and our employees. Um, because it's making something that nobody else domestically can can make, and so right. or nobody else in the state can make, and so because it's such a threat.
0: And as far as like the fruit, then, so when you say local, is it just just this general area? Would you go up to like other parts of Colorado? Like,
1: oh yeah, anywhere in Colorado we would get fruit if we needed it. The, for the most part, we're only getting it here in the front in this western slope, within two hours of, of of where we are right now. Is that just a practical reason? It's where the best growing regions are in Colorado. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. And so yeah, very convenient. Yeah. And so we're we're very close to uh, people um, of of uh, select select amount of growers to getting so that we can get some of the best fruit possible. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Do you go up to? We were just in Palisade the last couple oh, yeah. days. Mm-hmm. You head up there, get the peaches and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Yeah. Those that's those so these good, bro. these oh, apricots came from from there. Came from Palisade. Yep. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you do you done peach ones?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've got a bunch of peach beers right now um that are conditioning uh so nice. november will probably be some of our first peach beers we'll be selling fantastic yeah but right now it's all about apricots and
0: cherries that's the one i feel like apricot's really underused
1: in beer because it's such a like
0: it's such a unique flavor I don't, I don't see they're not as common would you agree
1: i would agree and yeah. uh it's it's a, it, there's for, it's for a myriad of reasons i think for one you know sometimes you get an apricot and you're just so excited and you <laughs> eat it and there's like no flavor. The dry
0: one. Yeah. There's just <laughs> no ones. flavor. Yeah. yeah. And
1: so it's it's really strange. And sometimes, and they're they're you know they're mealy. Sometimes it's just not a it's not like a peach where if you eat a peach it's pretty much going to taste like a peach. Right. But apricots are so variable. Yes. But so true. So for us, they're really they're really hard to grow in Colorado because they're really susceptible to late season frost. Right. And so. It's a, It's a, Most farmers call them shade trees as opposed to apricot trees because they're just <laughs> oh. good for shade. They're never. They're usually not. They don't usually fruit. Maybe right. one in five years. Wow. And so most people don't grow them because they're so hard. But once they, if they do get a good crop, it's 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 just like a it's passion indeed. project. Yeah. So we worked with a grower this year who uh, we bought her entire crop, about nine thousand pounds of apricots. Jeez. And uh, and these were came from that one, um, organic, um, perfection varietal apricots and. Um, so we work with growers who we know are putting out great flavors, and we're going to get what we want out of them. And it's not—they're not cheap. I mean, we're paying yeah, the same prices um, uh, for organic apricots that like Whole Foods would pay for. And so, right. so but it's it's worth it. And our consumers know that um, when we put a beer out, it's going to be worth their, their money. Mm-hmm. Is it organic? Something that you do. Is that a common theme? Like as it far is, as the yeah. fruit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it strictly, or is it this like? It's not strictly no. It's I mean we're working with growers who um, who a are putting out phenomenal tasting fruit, mm-hmm. and then the organic aspect, or like the you know the non-certified like organic type people. That's just the way they want to farm. We're, right. we're working with these smaller growers, um, and that who are our purchases from them are making a significant impact to, on their business as well as their fruit is making a significant impact on ours that's fantastic so yeah so it's like a cool little ecosystem mm-hmm.
0: going back and forth mm-hmm. i mean i guess with with your style of uh all the beers you're making it's probably more have more of an impact than the average brewery who just makes occasional fruit beers but would you say majority of your beers are fruited
1: yeah la- I, I don't know about this year yet la- yeah but last year just over 50 percent of our beers were more um, fruited that's mm-hmm. solid so this is our one of our busiest times of the year i mean yeah. we, i was Harvest? just yeah, between mid mid June when these when these cherry and apricots are coming off mm-hmm. to mid September, which is right about now, these three months I think we, we're doing about nine months worth of saleable beer. Wow. processing oh. and packaging. So, so it's like it. super stressful <laughs> yeah.
0: for now. Do you have like a, a downtime? We noticed with what was the businesses uh, downtime. No, was there we, was we met. Um, no, it was the breweries. Uh, what's the, the guy with the Greek, really Greek name yeah, Zoba. Oh Zoba. yeah, you did a, Zoba. Yeah, yeah, a Zoba couple like days ago. Busy after, November, after November or something? Like they yeah, he said it quietens down, he no. can't wait for that to happen cuz yeah. summer's <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. And um there's someone else we said spoke that. to. Scar said that in Durango yeah. and someone else was saying that they they make the beer. Oh you're a you brewing out yeah. there. No, and not scar cuz they have production all year. Yeah, they got a they have a the out the yeah. thing, but they stash the beer. Um, like say lager, they'll make a craft on a lager and then stash it in their thing uh, the fridge until it's good to go to last in the summer. Sure, they did. they can't possibly keep out production. Yeah. Do you have a similar? Is that why or is it just you have a oh you know, this is when the fruit's ready? So it's, you know it's not happening in December so
1: Yeah, it's when the fruit's ready basically. And so we, we, we f- beer, uh fruits like apricots, um, peaches, nectarines, plums, and grapes. Okay. We make those. We make beers with those fruits whenever the fruit's ready. Gotcha. We can freeze cherries and berries. So we freeze um, sweet and sour cherries. We freeze raspberries. We freeze um, blackberries. Okay. So we'll make some blends with those throughout the winter. Okay. But for the most part, we're making whatever we can with what we with have. With the fresh stuff. With the fresh stuff, yeah. Have you ever used the aseptic uh, purées? Never. Why? It's just... It's it's a different flavor, you know? Like, you if you want a beer with whole fruit, the only way you can... Whole fruit flavor. The only way you can do that is with whole fruit. Facts. So you can use puree. You know, you can get. You can use flavorings. You can make something that's decent, but it's not what I'm doing. You know, you don't know where that. You don't know what variety often that that fruit actually is. It might that's just be peach or apricot. You don't know the it person that wrote it. You don't know uh, that grew it. I mean, you don't know the the. You know, you don't know the stories. And so for us, being able to really handpick the farmers that we're working with. They know what we're looking for, so they can let fruit hang longer because they know that we're going to take it. Right. As opposed to picking a fruit, it needs to stay for two weeks on a shelf, one week to get to the shelf and one week on the shelf. So that Mm -hmm. fruit was picked far too early. Right. So for us, the farmer can let that fruit hang longer, knowing that we're going to take it the day it's picked. And just and give pay a fair price for that, and we're getting flavors that are unmatched by puree and anything else.
0: That's a really good point. I guess that, and also probably would be kind of weird having. A puree those flavors in beers like this because i know a lot of breweries say in uh, mm. up in canada because we have probably a much shorter season plus i don't even think we grow a lot of the the, the sure. of more yeah, tropical yeah. fruits one way to continue to release those beers year-round is to use the the, the purees and stuff yep. but that makes complete sense and it's probably also not old world style and i reckon in the you know 1700s they were rocking uh, mango puree yeah <laughs> <laughs> too much it's almost time for their mm-hmm. round that's right, another photo, you know the drill. Thanks for dealing with that, mate. You're a legend. Um so should I do it now? Or yeah. we got a bit more time. So we have like a lightning to round. Okay. So we can talk a bit more. Just want to make sure we fit everything in. Sure, sure. Um okay, sick. So have you I guess you've been doing collabs. I was uh, we heard from Zorba that yeah. you you guys did a collab? Yep. Up in
1: um from Grand Junction.
0: What what did you guys work on?
1: What did we do? We did up here called Hot Mess, which was uh like basically
0: it was experimental oh, yeah. that's what that it ran out the yeah. day we like. Did day it day, really? And we're like, goddamn
1: it! So it was a basically an IPA that um, IPA recipe that we came up with, and um, but it, so it was it was lightly bittered in the kettle. Okay. So for his for his version of it, it was mostly um, hopped um, post fermentation, and so what we did was we took that wort and then we um, fermented it with our farmhouse culture, the same culture that we're drinking right now. Okay. And. Then we fermented it and aged it in oak for three, four, or five months, and then we dry-hopped it just before we packaged it. So all of our beers are naturally bottle-conditioned. Right. And um, and so it came out really, uh, you know, slightly acidic, but with huge citrus American hop character, and so that was a fun one that we've done. That's sick, man. Very cool. Do you have any other ones coming up, or uh, ones you've done sort of this summer? We have just been waiting for it to get our brew house online, and so we haven't really... Um, Done anything ourselves? There's nothing in barrels right now for, okay. for us, but um, we've done a few collaborations around uh, around the state. So um, this being one of them, um, this the one? first no, the first one that we oh, tried, the first one The first, yeah, yeah. version from with Wildworks. Uh, we just did a collaboration with Roaring Fork Beer Company, which is in Carbondale, okay. and they just released it, also a hazy IPA. You nice, can, you can see it. The A theme. You're here. a fan. I'm a fan of hazy IPA, My and man. Uh, when they're done well, and. Uh, and so, as soon as we get the brew house up and running, which should be next week, then we'll start planning more collaborations. So. That's
0: dope. Are you doing
1: GABF at all? We will. We are not doing GABF itself, yeah. but we'll, we've got events going through all, all week as well. Okay. Yeah. Anything? Oh, this will come out afterwards. Um, what are you? Well, because we're going to be
0: there too. So sure. I'm excited. Cool. That's our first
1: time. Yeah. Um, should we be scared? No.
0: 4,000 beers? Are you, no, you shouldn't be scared. Drink a lot of water. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. at elevation. <laughs> I drink feel like we're getting used water. to it. They, they warmed us up to this. Yeah, like, for sure. They got us so, so today we're in Breckenridge. I think yeah. it's the highest. And then, But we're kind of okay. Just a little out of breath on stairs. It's yeah, good. that's good.
1: You get used to it. Just pick your pick and choose what you're trying to drink at the festival, if you're at okay. the festival itself. Like, it, Don't just be willy-nilly with everything.
0: Okay, yeah. that's, that's the best
1: advice? I would say like have an idea of what you're looking for. Whether it be brewery specific, like we want to hit these breweries. Or style specific, and be okay. like, so, so that way you're not trying to try everything, everything, and then you'll just get wiped out. We don't yeah. want that. Expected. Are you going every night, or not no. just as they fly out the next morning? Oh, okay. So we got the
0: media passes. Was the trip was kind of based around nice. that being the finisher, and you only get one night in the media pass anyway. And to be honest, like. Bf- I don't know if you need more than a day to be a festival. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Like, you do what you need to do. Like, you come out the next day, I'm sure it be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, even though this one is exceptional and the biggest and the craziest yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I heard you get smaller uh, tasting glasses. Like, someone said one ounce. I'm like, it's like a shot. It's one ounce.
1: It's one ounce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By like, the end of the night, that'll be a lot.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not even worried. That, yeah. I'm not worried. It just seems like. It's not even about volume, because I'm a bit of a lightweight, so I'm cool to drink less, but um, it's about, is that enough to even taste the beer?
1: Yeah, you do, yeah? I think. But I mean, it's like, you're not going there to be, you're there for volume, right? Like, you're not there for, <laughs> you're not there for,
0: hey, facts, to try like to
1: right? be a, uh, you know, to try to have, like, be really, you know, you can always get multiple one-ounce pours. And depending that's on true. the the person who pours, they probably pour heavy. Oh, it's but, like uh, it's not. A, it's not like a. Tiny there's a line, glass. and they're supposed glass? to. It's a. It's a. Uh, I mean, it's probably a four ounce glass with God a one ounce yeah. line. So some. I mean, nobody's exactly precise, but yeah. I mean, you, you. You know, you can try it, but it's not. You're not. You're there to try a lot of beer you're not Which there to the try plan. That's true. a little to bit yeah of a lot <laughs> okay wait <laughs> a lot of a little <laughs> bit I mean. yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly no what? by
1: the end of the night you'll be thinking like oh that's one ounce is a lot it's a lot <laughs> i remember because when i was 21 and i went to the gavf my first time i was just like slamming them like shots and yeah it I catches up you real <laughs> quick we just had
0: a, uh, a festival in august in uh, this area called dunham in quebec and it was one of the brewery run festivals and they had like all oh, that canteen, They're pretty rare for us. And they brought in like other half and like Jester King and all that type of stuff. So it was super sick and it was cool because I don't know, I reckon it was an ounce, maybe like two ounces of little glass and it was one of them. I think it was three ounce. Was it three? three? three nice. Yeah. And I feel like it was one of the best we'd ever been to because most of the other festivals would damn near give one of those like you know those like short ones like that, and half the time they'll fill it up halfway. I kind of need that much.
1: No, but it's like just dumping beer out
0: after that. Well, there's that. I still feel bad. I still can't (laughs) get on your level yet. I'll get there, I'm sure. Um, But it was it was nice because we weren't trashed after. We were able to go out and go eat
1: and have another beer if we wanted to type of thing. I like that. So now don't be don't be afraid to dump beer at JBF.
0: Yeah. Just, don't,
1: don't be like, oh, it's just, just one ounce. ounce. I'll just drink it. Yeah. No. Dump no. it, rinse it. Drink <laughs> yeah. the rinse water, and then move on. There's so much beer there. You don't want to be Waste. drinking bad beer. There's a lot Key. of bad beer there. Yeah. I yeah. guess there is, right? Yeah. Have you ever a showcase there? Uh, Casey, as mm. Casey, no. No. Mm. Any reason? It's just, you know, we don't, it's not really our scene. Those, it's, we, we, we do all. we do events throughout <clears> town. <throat> Um, and so that's really a way that we can get our beer in front of our target customers, as opposed to um, kind of the you know the average ca- craft fan that our style might be lost on. Um, we try Probably. to do it to uh, to get in to get in front of the eyes of the more uh, consumers who are more. Um, uh, I don't know how to say it nicely. Discerning? Discerning. There you yeah. go. That understand our story. No bad. That, <laughs> that might know. That <laughs> might better understand if they see a 20 or $30 bottle. It's, yeah, it'd you know, be it's like, gonna be, why is that? I yeah, can pay $3 exactly. for a course. Well, yeah. I can get a. Kettle soured six packs for eight bucks. So wow. I yeah. spend That's that for yours. <laughs> I totally get that. That's also something
0: I notice about Colorado. Every time I go to a liquor store, I can't get singles. I don't want six of anything. Yeah. Like I'm very tough to buy singles. Is that and I tried to ask a liquor store guy, I think he couldn't understand my accent. But
1: do you know what I not understand a word you've said the whole time? Yeah, yeah, you've done yeah. real good with just
0: like making stuff up. You've been like on brand, on yeah. point.
1: Uh, yeah, no, six packs and four packs. There, uh there's d- depends on the store. You can buy like do the mixture on six packs. But right, um, like you can't break a six-pack. You can't break a six-pack. Yeah, that's no. You can do that um, in, in Quebec. Well, in Quebec,
0: they sell everything singles. If you yeah. want the only things you can get in six-pack are macro beers and yeah. occasional like the large independence Yeah, so everything you go to the shelf is just cans and bottles that are oh, well. singles. In we were just in New York in Vermont recently, like in the last couple of weeks, and both places. You can break six packs, no problem. Or four, you know, have those little four, nice. ten things. Yeah. So
1: I'm used to that, and I, like, it kind of threw me off. No, I think it's it's Colorado's leaning that way as well. Consumers don't really want to drink four or six of the same beer. No. They want to drink one time. If they like it, maybe they'll buy it one or two two more times. But for the most part, they are always on to the next thing. Yeah. What's new? What's 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 different?
0: I like sometimes two of something.
1: Sure. So you can have you know
0: first time you can yeah. have it again if you know, whatever a week later or something. But like. I don't know. I haven't bought a six pack in five it's six years. It's
1: why you, though. you know, when you do buy beer, it's like you stick to the old, the, your go tos, the ones that you know aren't going to let you down. Yeah. And they're always going to be good, as opposed to trying a new $12 six pack. It can be risky. It's if that's super not risky. good, it's bad. And, uh, and then it's, you got to dump a lot of beer. And yeah. It costs money. <laughs> I
0: don't think anyone's doing that though. I think no, it's, just, it's just me. It's just brewers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: we should probably pop this last one, then we'll do Let's the do uh, uh, sure. other one. Tell us about this one, man. So this is, <laughs> we probably should have had this one first. So this is East, East Pink. Pink. This is our honey farmhouse ale. So this nice. is made with honey um, just a few miles up that way. Okay. And uh, um, it's got a little, these are with sweet uh, sweet cherries, with Bing sweet cherries. Nice. Yeah. So this one is at about East two pounds Pink. per gallon. Okay. And um, so this one's on, going to be on the lighter side. It's a sweet cherry, uh, so it's going to have different aromas Six. than the last one we just had. Okay. Looks slightly, um, slightly lighter. Let's yeah, add. lighter in color because there's less cherries. Let's get the the base beer there. is uh, uh, is a little bit on the, a, a little bit darker. We add a little bit of Munich malt in, okay. for the base beer, so it's got a little bit more a uh, little bit of body to it. I love it. Want to get the head in there.
0: there yeah, well, it's lasting sure. Right, it's lasting, right? Okay, perfect. And, uh, okay, so it's bottled in July?
1: Yep. Yep, so these were with Bing Cherries from Palisade. Oh, nice.
0: No. Oh, yep. yeah, nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so it's a little, I would say
1: less tart. Six five, sorry. Yep. Mm-hmm. A little less tart than the other one. And um, what's the difference between the two cherries? So, sweet cherries are going to have, uh, they actually have more acid, I think. Okay. Um, because, uh, but they also can be darker colored. Some of the sweet cherries, okay. as opposed to the sour cherries. But it's just a different flavor. For sour beer, the classic sour cherry is what people are expecting. So with sweet cherries, you get different flavors and aromas. Um, it's like
0: earthy or something.
1: Yeah, a bit of that. Yeah, for sure. Yep, definitely. And uh, um, so just for different characters, the base beer, different aromas um, from mm. the East Bank itself. And so uh, so all in all, just a, just a much different beer. That's great, dude. Mm. Thank oh. you. I love it. All right. So, lightning round. Generally
0: supposed to be pretty quick questions. Got it. It turns into the molasses round, but we do have a time limit today, and I, f- I have faith in you. Okay, out. let's do it. No, we cut it down. Guilty pleasure beer. B, be you'd be embarrassed to admit you like... Budweiser. Fair. Uh, B, you would decline under any circumstances. A beer at the arsenal. Ooh, okay. Uh, favorite beer star. You're doing this like a game show. I like it. Lager. <laughs> okay. Typical brewer answer. Least favorite. Doesn't mean you hate it. It's least favorite.
1: Stout high alcohol stouts
0: Damn.
1: Unexpected.
0: <laughs> Unexpected. I think you're upsetting no, all the
1: all the beer nurses. They're
0: throwing the people pouring know. out the people
1: know, they know. They, know. <laughs> they drain pouring It's just either. not not for me. I like drinkable beers. They're not all of our sour beers we try to make drinkable. So I like drinkable beers. Those aren't to me aren't drinkable. I like that. Favorite beer city, destination, or country? Bru- uh, uh, Brussels. Kind of expected. I'm going uh. there, I'm going there next month. Yeah? Amped. Psyched. Collabing? No, just no? taking the team. It's, it's my wife and I's third time going. So nice. I just liked, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, first beer you ever brewed? First beer Casey ever brewed was saison. First beer I ever brewed was uh, beehive honey ale good. from uh, from was a honey beer in, out of Colorado Springs. Was it good? Oh yeah. Like an extract kit? No, that was a commercial. Oh, commercial. Oh yeah. the, oh, the first beer I ever brewed was a homebrew kit. I never tasted it throughout the process okay. when I was twenty one. So I went as far as kegging it and carbonating it. Having a <laughs> kegerator, it was so bad that I took it out in the middle of the street and dumped it, yeah. And so you've been dumping ever since. Been dumping ever since. <laughs> uh, favorite and least favorite style to brew? Favorite style to brew would be uh, these farmhouse ales. Okay. And you said least favorite? And least favorite. Doesn't, like, maybe they're annoying? Barley wine. Do you like barley wines? Not really. I'm with you on that. But just there'd be a lot of grain, and so it'd be probably really hard to stuck mash, stuck mashed, humping all that grain into the into the griff case, knocking out or just taking out all the grain. That Just my back hurts thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, worst beer I've ever made. Worst beer I've ever made. That first one was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, was that worst commercial beer? Worst commercial beer I ever made. I'm glad I have to yes. think. I know, right? That's good. I it. like but, that. Yeah. I like that. So, Man, dedicated. I don't, I don't know. Couldn't answer that. Couldn't answer it. Um, Nobody's ever tasted it. I can promise you that. that then that's probably even better. <laughs> Um, What music do you listen to when you brew? Uh, we know I, a lot of hip hop for sure, but I, I'll, I'll listen to some, you know, different guilty pleasure stuff if I'm alone. Okay. Yeah. So, want to disclose that? We just keep that pop low. music, like nothing.
0: Nothing crazy. Nothing stupid. Uh, awesome. Side question now: Top five MCs of all time.
1: Oh, I got this. Because <laughs> I can never ask these questions. No. This, is, this is amazing. All right, so top five, Black Thought, Facts, Nas, Yes, Jay-Z. Yes. Um and then I would say because I just cause I love him most uh Yasin Bey yeah, and Talib. Most, That is a fantastic uh, top five.
0: Right open. Thirteen, that was one of the best moments oh, yeah. of my life in that's Montreal. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Didn't get to meet him because you know it's like that, but it was just an honor. That's awesome. To do that. That's cool. Fantastic. How are you doing? How are you opening? Oh, we rap. So that's why we, awesome. moved, to, we moved to Canada. Okay. okay cool. my brother and I, do hip hop. Awesome. So we got to like we, you know, Odyssey. We opened for. Okay. That was a big one. I tried to get to live with Like a bunch of our friends know all these dudes. So I was trying to get on those like shows and stuff, but it was at Montreal. They they did it out there, and there's not a lot of the scene isn't huge. So we came in. We went hard. Landed a few nice splits. There you go. A few of the big Aussie rappers too. Um, what's your favorite hop?
1: Aged, an aged hop. <laughs> what was that? Mean? So, for uh, um, when you're making the like the Lambic, st- either Lambic or Lambic style beer, you want to uh, aged hops. And so that are three to five years old that have just wow. been sitting ambient. So they lose a lot of their bittering potential and they kind of um, increase their potential to make the flavors that you're looking for when you make spontaneous beers. Okay. And so for me, it, my favorite hop would be an aged hop. So we've got three different years of hops upstairs right now that are that are just aging. And you pay full price for these hops when you buy them. Right. You rip them open, and they're, they're normal hop, hop <coughs> like uh, like continental hop varieties that would make great lagers. Like,
0: like, like, um, saws, and stuff like, like.
1: saws, Hallertau, Herzbrucker and we open them and just let them age and just let them rot basically and wow. so that's my favorite hop so cool. <laughs> a cheesy hop yeah no that's a- <laughs> no, they, they make cheesy flavors and yeah? so yeah and yeah. that mm-hmm. contributes to the funk yeah that is a first that's I've cool. heard of that yeah. see I'm learning a lot today children I love it um, what does your family think of your job uh, they love it for sure. Yeah, my yeah. my wife is, does a lot for the for the business. Um, my dad's been in the brewing industry my whole life and uh, making light oh. loggers for the big breweries mostly. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing the exact polar opposite of what he spent his co- whole career doing. But yeah, everybody loves it for sure. Yeah, yeah we my brother-in-law made these labels. Oh, so sick! It's like consistent. A of, yeah, a lot of people eating out off of uh, <laughs> off of this stuff. Yeah, I
0: love that. That's one, honestly one of the most beautiful parts of business is to be able to have a lot of people eating off what you're doing. Sure,
1: yep. that's so sick. Good on you, man. Uh, favorite adjunct? Um, wheat. Yeah. Okay. Wheat. Wheat's an wheat. adjunct there. Eh? If it's not malted, it would be. Yeah. And so, um, so raw wheat would be uh, is in all of our beers. Um, And I just think it gives fun flavor, foam stability, some some fun um, aging qualities to the beer. Okay. mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Big serious question. How do you feel about lactose in beer? Not, no. Damn it. Never. (laughs) Why? It's just, why would you add an unfermentable sugar to beer, which just increases your hangover, increases the caloric content of what you're doing? You know, I get why people are doing it in certain styles and stuff, but for me, I would never. You wouldn't do it. you know. You wouldn't sprinkle a little bit of lactose in the Lapic? No, never, <laughs> no? never. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just something that I mean, <clears throat> to each their own. You know, you're making a milkshake IPA, you make a even, milk but stout or something. Milk stout, I, I can see why you would do it, but I mean, that's but nowadays, what people are making these, these, they're just dumping in, but dumping in it to get this to like get mouthfeel and body, and there's other ways you can do that. You don't need to add lactose So, your team no lactose.
0: Absolutely. Damn it. Yeah. We have like a constant daily argument with a bunch of other beer writers and YouTubers and stuff. We're always arguing, always like asking people whenever I get a podcast. So, that's unfortunate, but you know what? <laughs> Not surprising as well. I always piss them off by telling them I bring like a little satchel a satchel of uh, lactose to a BFS and yeah. sprinkle it in there. The you <laughs> know, and they get really upset about it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: last thing before we wrap the dub: you're from Canada. Yep represent man what's
1: up yeah. How'd, uh, you where were you born uh, Saskatoon Saskatchewan nice yep and so we I lived there for just a minute before we moved um, to, to the states but my parents were both from Toronto and Hamilton they lived, spent their whole lives there amazing um, and uh, they just were ready for a change and we moved to st. Louis um, and my, when, when I was a couple years old my dad got a job uh, with Anheuser-Busch there as a microbiologist cool Um, so we still go back all the time when we lived in Detroit we would go back to uh, Sobel Beach every summer and uh, my family's all out there in Toronto right now for a family wedding that I couldn't make it to but um, we get back every once in a while for sure oh, you know, yeah to and remind me what cold actually is. Yeah <laughs> I, do You know what this, you, you guys have got a good this heat we is have perfect. Very good
0: and then apparently the winters are a little drier than what we have up there because yeah. we get death winters Oh my god,
1: I, we were out there a couple of years ago, and I thought I was gonna die being outside, and Montreal's like, even worse it. than Toronto. Is right? it really, dude? <laughs> yeah. It's like
0: yeah, minus thirty. You've had minus <laughs> close to <laughs> minus forty, and that's Celsius. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. it's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. like nose freezes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to be outside yeah. for like five, ten minutes at no, a time. I no, mean, it's, it's unbelievable. We just don't leave. That's why I have an underground city, and we don't leave the house yeah. for the most part. Yeah. have plenty of beer, so we're good. Yeah. Oh, what is that, Chipmunks? Chipmunks.
1: Yo. Yeah, they come in. We've got when we get our fruit deliveries, like we'll we'll put our apricots or peaches in like. 20 feet inside this garage door yeah they come and just, in and take them cheeky oh bastards yeah they're, they oh, they used to be marmots which are like bigger um like large squirrels if you will okay but something happened to them because the chipmunks ran them off i don't know and so it's uh it was, it was pretty crazy yeah that is so cool man i love it
0: we're just fascinated by the wildlife because i guess we don't have a lot of the same things yeah Met Some alpacas we yesterday. Have nice. We have tripped months but not many. That was pretty extra. Um, mate Troy, thank you so much. Absolutely, yeah. A thank you for pleasure, having me. Thank, thank, you thank you for you. taking the time for sure. Uh, where can everybody find you online? Uh,
1: caseybrewing.com and social media, Casey Brewing on Instagram, Instagram, and Twitter? Facebook. Facebook, no Twitter. We, do t- we haven't updated in a while. Ah, yeah, it's whatever. Who uses Thanks. Twitter? Do you know what? Hey, it's we have
0: at, social media agency.
1: Yeah, we have a social <laughs> media agency. And Twitter is actually back. It's sick no, now. I know it is. Yeah. Facebook's dying, I know. But we, we, that's where our people are. Where the old people, people are. It's exactly where the old people not are. We're not
0: always really decent Facebook as well. But it's like I like Twitter because you get the information where you need. And I feel like if anything's happening, I've like, uh, constructed my timeline to be around like, all right, well, I know the Eminem dropped that diss track. Like, I, yesterday. Look, I look at,
1: I look on Twitter for for, that, for for other stuff. Did you hear that stuff? Eminem and GK stuff I kind of I heard a little bit I not I thought it was kind of
0: it's a little corny yeah but I like it why would
1: Eminem waste his time on that guy that show where he's trying to be relevant with the kids yeah Yeah,
0: for sure and it was you know what it's kind of cool that like MGK was always alright but like it was cool to see him have the balls to do it and then Eminem came back with a decent like you want to hear him like pushed again because he's an older dude and you need to be like you need the motivation because if you're just making music it's like hit or miss Sure. Mm-hmm. it's worth listening to i heard i heard a little bit on the radio this morning that was good it's definitely worth they found the radio xm, XM. oh yeah, serious yeah, yeah okay yeah, oh yeah probably sway or something
1: it was on shade 45 yeah it's there like, you yeah. go there you go <laughs> my man
0: um guys, thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode mate smash the thumbs up hit subscribe below and hit the notification bell so you know when we drop the new new uh follow us on social media at baos podcast and check out the long form audio so you can hear very attractive gentlemen like uncle troy right here telling you about barrels and beer That is it, y'all. Thank you. Cheers.